Attention, this workplace has gone zero days without a zombie-related incident. Also, we have an opening on our warehouse team. You're listening to Podcast Detected. Now run. Hello, Runners 5. Welcome back to Podcast Detected. I'm Erin, and I am joined today by the lovely Liz. Hi. And real quick, we want to give a shout out to Tracy from Paper News Out Loud, who did our intro this week. We have, uh, we've got some friends who did some intros for us, so you guys will have some new voices to listen to in the coming episodes, which is very exciting. You can check out the show notes for a link to Paper News Out Loud if you want to see more about what Tracy does. Yeah, I'm, I have to say, these intros, like some of them are so great. I really ran out of ideas for new intros yep (laughs) i'm so glad that people were willing to send us new things because i was like i don't even i don't even know i have no idea (laughs) i i I think for some of the special episodes i did i just started the intro music and halfway through i muted it and just started the episode which i mean you know like it it gets hard to keep coming up with 12 seconds of something new and different to say about zombies <laughs> yeah and then sometimes you just are desperate and recite a german poem about a pun uh-huh so, yeah 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 so uh listeners today we are going to talk about a voice in the dark and the reason for that is that if you have listened to like the special episode i did a while ago i started a big rerun, a zombies run rerun. Very, <laughs> very difficult to say. Sorry, That's my German right. tongue is in the way. So, uh, and I got some feedback from people who were like, "Oh, are you gonna do something?" You know, like talking about these missions from like a further into the story point of view. And I just, I don't have the time to do that for all for all the missions what i did do is like i have this um, sound file where whenever i come from a mission i just record like 30 seconds of thoughts about that and usually it's silly but um, for specific missions we decided to do something a bit more detailed and of course the voice in the dark was the first one that came up Yes, And so we decided to make this special episode and we also went on our Tumblr and on Twitter and on Facebook and on RuffleNet and said, guys, send us your thoughts. Let's do a rerun, everybody. And we got some feedback from you and that was very great of you and we are going to get into that. Yeah. uh, Thank you guys for engaging with that. Yeah, I think and I think the people really, especially on RuffleNet, they really like went with it. And there's like as we speak, I get a notification that somebody has added something to that topic. Oh, so awesome. I think I think, yeah, we're probably going to talk more about it. Like <laughs> once the recording is done, there's going to be. So if you don't see your post referenced in the podcast, then it's because you are posting it a bit too late for us. We're yes. sorry. Yes. yes, we apologize. So I just did a voice in the dark like two hours ago. And, and you know, if you go back and realize how long ago I did this special episode about rerunning and then like a voice in the dark is just episode seven. We still have like the heat wave going on and 
yeah, it's very exhausting. Yeah, yeah. I just ran Running it. Running is, yeah. Yeah, I just ran it about 40 minutes ago um, and actually had to do the last two sound clips of it while I was in the shower so that I could get <laughs> on the recording with you. Because, yeah, it's just, it's been so hot. Oh, it's it's terrible. Yeah. It, it's like, I don't even want to get on the treadmill because even in my basement, yeah. it's hot and gross. You know, the gym where I go to, it's like not that far away. Oh, this is Bibi, by the way. You will hear her in the background. Hi, Bibi. The gym is not that far away. But to go to the gym, I have to get on my bike and drive there. And if it's like 36 degrees, it's yeah. just too hot. Yes. Or whatever well. that is in. I'm really Fahrenheit. bad at the conversion. No, no but I just assume that if you say 36 degrees is very hot and gross, That's I believe you. <laughs> the temperature of the human body, which I think makes it about 100 degrees yeah. Fahrenheit. Yeah. yeah, awful. That's about what it is here. Is it humid where you are? I mean, 100 degrees is too so, hot to so, run in anyway, yeah. but our, ours has been, it's been hot, but it's mostly been the humidity. I just, I can't handle it. Mm. It's mm. like, it's been. Hated. Yeah. Done. It's awful. I'm done. Yep. What's the summer? Yeah. Let's... Same. Fall can show up anytime Fall. now. I don't, mi- I don't mind winter. Degrees. I would rather run in the oh. snow. No. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mind in running in the colder weather. Like the, no. the really wet snow that like makes your bones cold, I don't prefer, but like a nice dry snow where it's like powdery and magical. And it's yeah. winter wonderland Exactly. I like yeah. those runs. I'm all for that. Yeah. Okay, so um, maybe before we get started, do you remember the first time you ran A Voice in the Dark? Because part of this idea is comparing how you feel toward that mission now right? and how you felt toward that mission the first time you ran it right do do you remember like any initial feelings I do because it was oh geez it was probably four years ago (laughs) three or four years ago it was a while ago and I remember that the first time I ran that one I was out with my dog and it was actually nighttime so and there was nobody else Mm. out and about that night it was like 9 30 p.m so there was there nobody else was out. There were not that many cars out. And I was sitting it was like honestly kind of creepy. I was very glad I had my dog with me and I just remember sobbing like as I'm running, I'm like tearing up and like getting so sad and I remember oh, having no. to stop to walk because I was like this is just too emotional. I can't run and experience this <laughs> at the same time. So it's gotten less emotional. I've run it a few times since then. And it's gotten a little less emotional because I know what mm. to expect. But in the moment, that first time, it w- I was just gobsmacked by it. So what about you? I I remember I was, back then I was still living with my parents. Okay. And I remember that so well because I, I, I was lucky enough to live with my parents like until I was, I think, 23. Okay. Which was good because I went to university in the same city where we lived and that kind of saved like all of us a lot of money that I could stay with my parents and I moved in between season one and season two okay so in preparation for season two I reran all of season one and so the first time I ran it I was still with my parents and the second time I ran it I was in this apartment here that's why I, I remember it so well and I ran it at night actually I I did the other mission before that and then I remember going out at night to run 
because I knew it was about running in the dark and so I wanted that and I uh, used to live like next to the forest like on the foot of the hill and like right behind our apartment blocks is, is the forest and, and the mountains oh, and so, so good that's where I always I, I'd always run and I still get very nostalgic when I go through all these like areas because I'm like oh yeah that's where I used to run all the time and yeah I ran through the forest I remember it really well it was not pitch dark right but it was because like you know it's I mean I don't live in a dangerous city but you don't have to if go out at like midnight to run if you're like a 23 year old girl right you you and the time when I ran there was still like people walking their dogs in the evening that's why I had my dog with me was because even though like I mean I'm I'm in an American suburb it's fairly safe but I still don't want to go out at 9 30 p.m by myself but I have an 80 pound dog so he's a complete teddy bear and I don't think could would hurt anybody even if they did try to attack me but they don't know that he looks very intimidating because he's gigantic so yeah that's it's a good good thing to have a dog with yes, you yes yeah we don't have any so woods did- though so I, I just like ran through my neighborhood, which doesn't have quite uh, the same feel. Same. That's something that I realized. Like when I did season one, when I lived with my parents, I mean, this is also like an area where a lot of people live, but since it's like at the edge of the forest, mm-hmm. so basically you're running through the forest, but if you want to go back to civilization, it's like 500 meters away. Right. But it, it doesn't look like it's so that close, which is like great. And now where I'm running along the river, there's like dozens of people running and the airport and like helicopters. So like it's not as nice as yeah. running to the forest. Yeah. I get I get frustrated when I'm running a mission that is either supposed to be like through a city or through mm. like the forest and I'm like I didn't because, like, sometimes that we have a community center near us where my kids did camp, and I'll go, I would drop them off and then go running because they have, like, a two-mile um, walking running trail that kind of goes through the woods and through some fields. And every time I did that, I ended up on one of the missions where you're, like, running through a city. And I'm like, this is not, this does not work. And every time I'm going through my neighborhood or something, I end up one, with one where I'm supposed to be running through a forest. And I'm like, this is not working for me. My brain is having to do too much imagining. When I did season one, and there is this one mission where we go to the old hospital. Yeah. Uh, and then find the, the, the CD with like Paula's message yep. and stuff. Uh, they, because where I grew up is like also there's parts of our universities there, like a lot of university buildings. And it was summer, so they were closed. And one of the university buildings, the architecture building, uh, they got renovated. Okay. And so all the doors were open and like there was stuff flying around because they were like completely tearing stuff down. And, but it was the weekend, so nobody was working, but all the doors were still open. And I knew that I was like, 
ah, that's where I'm gonna run. So I ran through the buildings and I grew up there. So I like, I knew all the small like bridges from one building to the next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really cool. I liked it because it's like a bunch of buildings connected. So that's so that was, cool. That was great because it's like you're running through like laboratories and okay, it's not a hospital, but it's a university so there yeah. are like desks and, and and all sorts of stuff and old computers standing yeah. around yeah well and it's That's just great. a giant empty building with lots of yeah. lots of long hallways and smaller rooms it's got the same feel as a hospital yeah that's and, awesome and like, i i love that i i really want to actually uh when i publish my fanfic i'm thinking about going back to some of these like um places i used to run and take pictures because i think they work quite well less yeah and and able yeah and surroundings that's awesome okay but yeah but let's get but to... a voice in the dark we always do oh. this i always get you completely off yeah. track <laughs> i'm sorry no and i always no 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 <laughs> that guy could always say no <laughs> <laughs> no um, we will focus on what we're doing so uh a voice in the dark so i, I ran it twice right so first uh when i ran it for the first time and then when i did my rerun Right. But that was it. So it's been five years since oh, wow. I did the rerun because I went back on my blog and checked it out. Right. And um, the first thing I want to talk about, and that's because it's something that came up on the RuffleNet board. Um, and because I, I want to get your input on that. Uh, it seems a few people on the RuffleNet were a bit you know they say that they did not feel like five had a you know like a connection or a friendship with the people at able because um you know people like janine and sarah smith they did not trust five right and so i think somebody and i'm gonna i'm gonna put up that post because that was really good and there was uh ba -ba -ba -ba. yeah and that was uh melissa wrote that on the on the raffle net and she said i'm not sure if my five would have bothered returning to abel if it hadn't been for sam's determination and genuineness and that for me was and that's something that comes up in the raffle net uh, message board a bit like people were like okay janine apparently didn't care and sarah didn't care and why would five go back if it wasn't like that five somehow you know there was some sort of bond or friendship between runner five and sam sure and for me for me that was so weird and then i reran the mission now and i'm like oh yeah i think i get it and i know i've been bringing this up a lot but this is rooted in the restructuring of the first season yeah cause it because it was later in the season yes initially and I, yeah, and I, I looked it up. I went all the way through my blog. And here's the thing. So uh, you had the same structure, Jolly Alpha 5 Niner, then Distraction. And it was the other way around, then Lay of the Land. Right. Then you have a Lost Child. That's the one with um, Molly and Ed. Right. Then Paul Revere, which is the one where Five and Sarah warn the people uh oh the the people of brunswick, brunswick right from the fire yeah right and then you have recovery where janine sends runner five out 
to meet with New Canton and Runner 5 gets lost. Right. And then is uh, a voice in an arc. Right. But in the old order of things, in between Paul Revere and that supply run, you had recovery. No, sorry. Supply run was the one where Janine sends you out to New Canton. Okay. Yeah. So, and usually in between those missions, you had uh, recovery, which is the mission where you go to the helicopter with Sarah Smith. Right. So Sarah Smith finds out that you are, in fact, the, the person you said you are because they find um, the ID right. of Runner 5. And you're going, uh, it's the mission Tess, where you go after Tess who steals your stuff. Right, right, right. And that's also something. So by the time the supply run comes along, where Five needs to go to New Canton and then Voice in the Dark comes, you have already spent quite a lot of time with Sam and Sarah. Right. And you've done like this kind of recovery mission where you get to talk to Sarah a bit and you've done tests. So by this time, it feels like uh, because between Tess and um, Tess is one of the people who I think comes to Abel because of what happens in Paul Revere with the, the burning down of Brunswick. So it's I one think. of the Brunswick people who comes to Abel. Right. Yeah. So time has passed between those missions, at least some time. And so it did not feel to me like it felt to me like by the time A Voice in the Dark happens, uh, Runner 5 was very well integrated into Able already. And right. kind of, you know, this new runner and there was a lot of... Um, it, that's the other thing. There was a lot of uh, radio mode in between. So, yeah. And, and it was all... Yeah, and in the radio mode, it's mentioned and that happens like time-wise in between here somewhere that Jack and Eugene are so thankful that like they have new fuel now and they talk about this new runner in town. And so that kind of gave me the feeling like Runner 5 was very well integrated. So Runner 5 would have returned to Abel either way. But so it was like, oh, but now it makes sense that basically due to the restructuring of the season, you have the helicopter episode, then the destruction episode, then lay of the land where you go out with Evan, and then Molly and Ed, and then... Paul Revere, and then already it's like voice in an arc. Right. So I think these two, having these two uh, missions in between helped a lot to make sure that people feel like Five belongs. So it's interesting to me, because I, I hadn't really ever thought of that, even though I started playing the game after the restructuring. Yeah. But for me, like my... I don't know. My my five's headcanon is so deeply rooted in my brain at this point. And I wonder if the fact that I have that fan fiction that I work on mm. is part of it. Because if you factor in the uh, 5K trainer, that's an extra yeah. two months where you've spent a lot of time with Maxine and a lot of time mm. with Jody. You've watched Sam go through some emotional turmoil. You don't really get... I don't think you spend any time with Sarah in the 5k trainer but there is definitely at least one mission where you overhear her and janine talking about you and so i don't know for me it didn't even occur to me that 
I, I guess the first time I, I did a voice in the dark was before I had done any fan fiction or anything. I hadn't done the 5K trainer. But for me, my thinking was, well, of course five is going to go home because the next close, it's either stay in the woods with the zombies, go back to Abel, or the next closest town is New Canton. And they're the reason, them shooting at you is the reason you're out in the woods in the middle of the night to begin with. So to me, it just made sense that, well, of course I'm going to try to get mm. back to Abel. That's the, on, the only place that I can go. And I may not know everybody there all that well, but it's a wall with no zombies inside it. And Sam seems to want me to get back. And like, I've got this equipment with me that I should probably take back to them. I've still got the cables that Janine had sent me to pick up and was supposed to trade with New Canton. <laughs> but I've got this backpack full of equipment that New Canton apparently didn't want because they decided to try to shoot me. So, yeah, like, to me, it makes sense that five would go back, even if you don't mm. factor in all of the the five, the extra stuff that's not part of the main game. But when you yeah. but when you factor that stuff in, it's just extra reason for five to be attached to the people at Able. And uh, speaking of Janine, because this is something that came up and I only like when you rerun a mission like that, the first time you run it, and maybe even the second time, you're so emotional about it that you don't, like, there are things you might miss. Right. But this time, so I've run the mission, and there's this uh, audio clip where Sam talks about ice cream rolls. Uh -huh. And he doesn't remember if, like, if it's cake inside and ice cream outside or the other way around, which... Sam, how is the other way around supposed to work? Right, like ice cream on the outside doesn't make sense. Yeah, it wouldn't. Either way. And so he <laughs> says, I'm going to find out. And then he goes and you run a little bit more. And then he comes back and he says, yeah, okay. So apparently waking up Janine because of that is not a good reason. Right. And for the first time I was like, Janine, what the hell? Right. I'm like a little she bit offended. The one, she was the one who sent run a five mm -hmm. out which there is discussion going on on Rufflenet whether or not how like did Janine was it a trap that Janine said or not like did she know that New Canton would betray us or not either way Janine sent five out on a run and five got lost <laughs> and then Janine went to bed I know I love Janine Janine is one of my very favorite characters <laughs> like, in this entire game But that, and that is the yeah. only time that I have ever been like, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Really? Really, Janine? By this time, Janine has no idea. Like, if we follow this new story structure, mm -hmm. sure, Janine does not know, is this person the runner that is supposed to come here and help us with Project Greenshoot? Yes or no? Right. There is a chance that this person is the runner. So, you know, maybe... I don't need Janine to, like, lament to me in the night or, like, cry about my loss. That's fine. She doesn't, like, know Runner 5 right. at this point, like, that well. But she just went to bed. It feels really out of character for her because she cares so deeply about every single person yeah. at Abel. And it's not because she likes everyone at Abel, but it's because... She is like she's in charge of them. They are her people, and it is her responsibility to take care of them. And so, for her to be like, "Oh man, really sucks that the new runner got lost in the woods," 
Good night, everyone. That just doesn't, that does not feel right to me. That doesn't, that does not track with everything else that we know about Janine. I also don't think that she knew that New Canton was going to betray us. I don't think she would have knowingly sent someone into an ambush like that. Even even though she doesn't know for a fact at that point that Runner 5 is who Runner 5 says they are, I don't think that she would knowingly send someone who is under her care into an ambush. That just doesn't yeah, that no. doesn't that doesn't seem right. That doesn't feel like something she would do. Oh, Phoebe, what are you doing? <laughs> she, she wanted she just... to get from the couch on the desk. You missed. But she fell. <laughs> oh, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit annoyed because I closed the door to the balcony because of the noise. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, uh, there are people who, like, let me just pull it up. Yeah, Melissa again, because she writes that, she suspects that Janine deliberately sent Runner Five into New Canton's gunfire. No, because and and uh, oh, she even says the theory holds up even better after the missions were rearranged so that Five's ID was recovered after the potential assassination attempt. Uh, at this point of the story, Janine and most of the township were very wary of Five. Five was a potential threat. And making Five's death look like an accident out in the field seemed like a very practical way of eliminating the threat without raising red flags. I wouldn't go that far. For me, it was always like, I think Janine wasn't sure if, you know, New Canton right. would be interested in like trading or if it was a trap. And I think instead of sending a runner that, you know, like Jody or right. Simon or Sarah or Chris Michelle or she knew, oh, these are my people that I need to protect. Right. Let's send this other person. Also, you know, sure, Janine did not know that Five was really, like, could have been the Project Green Shoot person. But it's not like they couldn't send another. I mean, no, actually, no, they can't. You know, actually, it's not does not make sense. No, I, you know, the more I think about stuff happening later, I think... It, no, probably Janine did not. I don't think she sent Runner 5 in there to die. I don't think but so. But I think she was more likely to send 5 than any of the other Right, runners. and I mean, that that does make sense. She's going to send the unknown variable rather than a person that she knows she doesn't want to lose. But at the same time, like, 5 has thrown themselves into training and working for Abel and doing everything that they're told. Mm. So... If Janine's like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm fine if New Canton kills you. That, that doesn't, that, that makes me really upset because Janine is better than that, and Five has done nothing to indicate that they are not trustworthy, and they've done everything that's been asked of them, including running through that hospital and picking up the CDC file when they didn't need to do that. <laughs> Actually, they did not, right? Yeah, because you know, you know, yeah. Sam would have let them in. I mean, Maxine likes to talk a big game and say she won't, but Maxine, as a doctor, is not going to turn away a person who's otherwise going to be eaten by a zombie right outside her door. I mean, this whole "we will only let you in if you like carry your weight." Yeah, but you let Jack and Eugene in, didn't you? Right? And I don't think Eugene carried his weight no. when he was like in the beginning. I mean, 
Jack for sure, but Eugene did not, so you let them in. So now, is it because yeah, Eugene just, was just severely saying. injured that they gave him a pass? Probably. No, but I think probably because Jack worked for two. Yeah. I don't know. That was always my headcanon, that even when they started doing Radio Able, Jack was still working. Yeah. Because, you know, to make sure they could stay. Yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons a voice in the dark is resonating like people have this like emotional and not all people right uh, not all people have this re uh, emotional reaction because quite a few people on the rufflenet board actually said it was a good mission but not like a really good mission okay. for them i think is that for a lot of people um this is when especially when the game came out this is when we realized oh this is not just a game where it's like so you do this and then oh zombies right. but this is the story goes a bit deeper there is more work into like the creation of this world and the characters and I think that was a bit eye-opening because up till then it's like oh you go out you save the kid you go out you do this you go out but this is the first mission that gives us really good character work and I think because we, that was not something that was apparent from the beginning. Now, I think if you start playing Zombies Run, that's kind of what you expect. Right. I think that is also like um, uh, a consequence of like a very good audio drama work in the last few years that we did not have sure. bef before Zombies Run came. So I think that's probably uh, one of the reasons why it worked so well. Because I remember that for the first time doing Zombies Run, this was the first mission that really left me upset mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of later moments would. But this was the first time when I realized, oh, okay, there is more to this than just running away from zombies. Right. Well, yeah, because you get that backstory from Sam and like who... I don't think that there are very many people who that that doesn't resonate with a little bit. Like, mm. you know, your parents mm. expect you to do this and you don't want to do it. Or your parents push you to make good grades. Or you feel like you never quite match up to where your sibling is. Like, there's a... The family dynamic that Sam talks about in this episode or in this mission, mm. I think that's something that resonates for a lot of people. Even if they don't have that family dynamic themselves... It's something that, like, everybody knows somebody who had, like, the brilliant sibling and never quite felt like they matched up. Or yeah. somebody whose parents just, like, if you did not get the highest marks and grades in school, then you were going to be in trouble. And, like, I feel like everybody knows somebody where a little bit of that story that Sam is telling rings true i think a lot of us started zombies run like when we're in university uh -huh. so having this other character who is talking about being in university that's a bit more close to the world we live in yep. than just um you know janine and her how does she call it working in the private sector yeah that's what she said. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, Janine's a character also who just takes a while to really warm up to her. Like, now I love her. Yeah. But you don't see much of her at the beginning. So it takes a while before you see enough of her to be like, okay, there's more to you than just 
uptight leader lady. Yeah, and actually the mission that comes right before A Voice in the Dark is the first mission with Janine. Is it the first time that you hear her at all? Uh, no, no, oh, sorry, the second time. Uh, she's the one who, uh, in Paul Revere. That's right, Revere. that's right. And then this yeah. one, yeah. And it's something that um, Matt sent us a recording, and it's something that he talks about there as well. It's like... Uh, he, that he compares himself to his sister. And also, uh, I didn't realize that it is, in fact, the first time that Sam explicitly mentions that he is, uh, that his dad is Chinese, mm -hmm. which up till then we could kind of guess from his name because Yao is a, I don't know what I perceive as a Chinese last name. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I might be wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, Yao is definitely, like, it's not like an Anglican name. It's not like Scandinavian. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's it's one of those, you know, it's a name that sounds like you hear it and you think, okay, he's probably East Asian, whether it's specifically Chinese yeah. or not. But it's it sounds like an East Asian name. But yeah, it's the first time that you get anything from him specifically stating that yes, his father is in fact Chinese. What also really, I remember what is very relatable, and I think that was on purpose, is that I think people who play Zombies Run, specifically other people as well, but especially like people who play games like Zombies Run, we have all been in the position where we have kind of, at least for a little bit, like, thought oh man like an apocalypse would be fun yeah yep. because then i don't have to do all the stuff with my life that is boring uh -huh. like family birthdays and shopping and yes. cleaning the bathroom yes. and going to the bank and this is something that and i think that makes sam really relatable yeah to a lot of people because he is kind of feeling bad for that. And it kind of made me think, yeah, it would be really bad if that happened. But, I, you know, we kind of all understand where he's coming exactly, from. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, this, this episode, or this, I keep saying episode, this mission makes Sam, in so many ways, such a relatable character. And I think that's, I, th I really think that this is the mission where a lot of people who play the game really become attached to Sam in whatever capacity they become attached to him. This is the one where it's the first time we get any real backstory of anybody and it's his backstory and it's so relatable that it's really like, it's really hard to listen to this mission and not feel for him and not just like want to give him a hug and pat him on the head and tell him that it's going to be okay. Like, I mean, he's, and even just the part where like he's sitting there and he's legitimately worried about runner five. And, like, you can hear in his voice how upset he is that he's losing another runner. He's losing, you know, he's having to sit there and think about, you know, the next time I see you, I might have to shoot you in the face. And that's really going to suck because I thought we could be friends and now you're probably dead. And, like, it's really hard mm. not to feel for him when he's talking about that. Yeah, I think it does great character work. This is one of the things that came up in the in the RuffleNet, that it is not a s mission that kind of advances the 
plot in any way because nothing really happens, but it does uh it does do a lot of character yeah. work. Uh one thing that I this is only I remember that when I ran this mission is I remembered there's this part where Sam talks about this the kid he knew in college and then he's like oh he's probably dead and you know I might be the only person who kind of knew him and is still alive so probably everybody else has forgotten or is no longer alive and he then says who will remember you five when you're gone and that was so upsetting to me yeah. the first time I ran this because it was like wait a second we spend time together. I spend time with Janine, who doesn't really like me. And I spend time with Sarah, who also doesn't really <laughs> like me. But by that time, you know, with the restructuring, you kind of, you know, get to know Sarah a bit better. And like the Radio Able guys, they talk about me as the great new runner who brings all the sports bras what are you talking about who's gonna remember me all of you are gonna remember right. me but I think in a way now that I've listened to it a bit more is is I think what Sam was more talking about was like people outside of their group mm -hmm. like the people who you knew before who are gonna right like are some of those still left because he he asks also yeah I bet you had like a good life and a lot of friends, yeah. But I, somehow it still upsets me. Yeah, a well, bit. and Why I mean, would even say that I know. Even the people in Able, though, like if you think about it, I, we've talked before about how the timeline of this game is just all over the place. Yeah. But we've only been there a few months, so in three years, how many people in like if we died while we were trapped outside in a voice in the dark? Three years from then, how many people in Able are going to remember that runner who was here for two months and really liked sports bras? Probably not many, because I don't think that we spent enough time with anybody or made enough of an impact on them for them. But I, I like to call like the to traitor that, and I saved I know, I, I like Brunswick. to think that they would remember me, but who knows? Yeah, you're right. Who knows? I mean, yeah. we also don't know that everybody in Able will survive for another three years. I mean, when your job is to run around outside with zombies, I imagine that the uh, life expectancy is not real high. <laughs> Another thing that I like, I only ever like realized in the rerun is Sam talks about that this run of five is the fourth run of five he had. Uh -huh. And we, I mean, we know the one before is uh, Alice. And then later in the game, we learn a bit more about like the, first run of five but um so i don't know i remember i was like thinking this is a very unlucky number why are you giving me that yeah. it was the same when i reran the first mission i was like did did you just give me the old number of the girl who died before me that's not why even reuse those numbers right. like if we're completely honest there are enough numbers in yes. the universe to... And they don't reassign all the numbers, That's right? That's true, because... We learn that some numbers are retired. Yeah. yeah. What the hell? Yeah. And, like, 
you have already lost three people who have that number. Why did you give me that Yeah, one? I feel like once you've lost two people with the same number, it's time to stop using yeah. that number. Yeah, maybe it's bad luck. It might be bad Just luck. Just saying. That was weird. I hadn't even thought of that, that but you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's the kind of things you realize when you rerun the mission. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting for me rerunning this one because I've been, I'm at the tail end of season six. I think I have one episode left of season six. And so everything that's happened up to that point is so ingrained in my head that going back to mm. the very beginning and rerunning this mission was kind it was kind of surreal because I'm like, oh right, I don't have any relationship with Sam. No. Nope. I don't have any relationship with Janine. Like to the point where Janine can't even be bothered to stay Girls awake to, to make sleep. sure I'm not dead. <laughs> Janine, what the hell? Yeah. I'm now I'm really mad at Janine about that. Also, and I'm gonna fit in a spoiler warning so oh, you know, yeah. so people can skip that. No, I was just wondering because I completely forgot that Sam had a sister. Right. And in this mission, he's like, oh, I don't think she's she's probably not alive. We couldn't, like, get in touch with her. She doesn't even know, like, my parents turned. And I got me thinking, like, but, but wait a second. We always assume, like, Sam's sister was probably, like, in the early outbreak, bitten by zombies and just dead. But, like... She's his sister. Wouldn't she be like immune? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. At one point when he was talking about, zombies? you know, I'm lucky that I'm alive, and I'm like, are you? I mean, that's not luck. That's that's biology right there, Sam. You don't know it yet. Yes, and also, like, I mean, his sister could have died in a lot of different ways. Like the zombie being bitten by a zombie is not the only way you can die in an apocalypse. True. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they could have just seen that she was bitten and shot right. her or something but still yeah but at that point isn't your sister also immune yeah at that point he doesn't know he's immune though yeah but oh but, now like, i really want back, them to bring sam's sister in as a character yeah like because because looking back i'm like i wonder if when they wrote that whole sam being immune thing because of his genetics if they remembered that, hey, we did give Sam a sister. Interestingly, though, so his dad definitely turned. I remember the episode where he talks about his dad uh, getting bit, bitten yeah. on the way home from work and turned and bit his mom. Yeah. But, and so I, I remember Sam talking about having to kill his, his zombie dad. And then I don't remember what happened with the mom. Did the mom actually turn or did he take or did he take her out before she had a chance to turn? So it's possible she was actually immune. Yeah. Yeah. But like you are genetically always closer to your siblings than you are to your parents. That's true. Yeah, right? because they have the same combination. Yeah. That's why for example, if you need a kidney, it's always chances are better that you will get a kidney from your sibling than if you get a kidney from your parent right. because you don't share. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, if Sam was able to pass on his immunity to baby Sarah, there's no way his sister wasn't also immune. Yeah, and also, like, 
even then, like, I, th I think, you know, it's the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. People turn, you can't get in touch with your sister because he mentions that they tried to get in touch right. with uh, his sister and her boyfriend and they couldn't reach her. And so he kind of thinks she's dead and he's kind of happy. And that's his whole thing. Maybe the people who survive are the unlucky ones thing. But so after that, he finds out that he's immune and that should be the moment where he's like oh okay so if I'm immune maybe my sister is as well so I should look into that maybe I can find her right because we know from the 5k trainer that they are well able to track people yeah and and, and for me that was a bit like I mean, it makes sense if that is a throwaway line, basically, in, like, a mission they wrote years ago. Right. But Sam wouldn't forget that he has a sister, because he had a sister for... I mean, she was in college, so she was at least 19 or 18 or 19. Yeah. So he had a sister for nearly two decades of his life. He wouldn't forget that he had a sister. Right. On the other hand, by the time we find out... Uh, Sam finds out that he's immune a lot of stuff has happened so he probably assumes like I think runner five and to a lesser extent the other runners and Janine and Maxine and Sam are a bit of a you know local celebrities right so maybe he assumes that his sister would have found him if she was still alive but I want that acknowledged they gave Sam a sister in this mission yeah well and we don't know we know his sister was staying with her boyfriend but we don't know where that was it could have been the next town over or it could have been I mean the UK is a big place maybe they were in Edinburgh yeah or in France maybe she had a boyfriend from yeah. France yeah so it's entirely so possible that she would not have heard about the the local celebrities, Runner 5, and their friends in Able Township, because maybe she was in France. Yeah, but like, I want the fact that Sam has a biological yeah. sibling that we don't know what happened to I... is acknowledged at, at least in a throwaway line where he's like, you know, I'm just sad that probably my sister didn't have it because otherwise she'd be still here or something. I'm like, guys, did you forget I, the little sister? I feel like they even brought was her just a plot up point? later on. Did I feel like in the episode where he was talking about his parents turning, I feel like he mentioned his sister. Oh. I feel like that's not the type of thing that these writers would have forgotten. They've... I mean, they've they've got their act together. They're thinking so far ahead, and they brought fucking Netrophil back. Yeah, well, Netrophil that we all thought was just oh, this is a leftover from when they did the thing with the Twitter and the yeah email thing you could mention. This is something that they disregarded. Yeah, and then they bring Netrophil yeah. back. Who would have thought? Well, and they from when I talked to Will. He mentioned that they had always they had known from the beginning of Peter showing up exactly who Peter was. He was like because yeah. because that was one thing I asked him. I was like, you know, is was Peter ever meant to be just like a a couple episodes? He has this weird, creepy, like haunted house type thing, and then we never see him again. And he's like, oh no, they always <laughs> knew exactly who Peter was and where they were going with him. 
So I feel like they plan stuff out far enough ahead of time. I would be surprised if they completely forgot that Sam had a sister. But I wouldn't be surprised if they forgot about the part where she might be immune. Because that's, I mean, I had, I had completely never thought about that. What is going on? So end of spoilers. So this is like, that was spoiler yeah. territory. But let's not talk about this important plot thing anymore. Let me just see what I have on my list. Ba, 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 ba. Um, yeah, a lot of people say that uh, they like the writing. Matt specifically mentions that the the episode is well structured. I, I agree with yep. that. I I also think it was very well acted. I think Philip Nightingale did very well in this episode. Mm-hmm. He really did. Well, and, the, and this is a hard one too because he's not interacting with yeah. anybody. He has nobody to play yeah. off. Like he's just sitting in the sound booth by himself, talking to himself. Yeah, and that's not easy. Yeah. Um, and then something that Matt also said, and I, I, I agree with that, not so much when I reran the mission, but I remember when I ran it for the first time, is that the way the story is structured, it's very low energy in the beginning, but it gets more and more, like, the mood is lifting when sam realizes that runner five is not dead and so he gets more and more excited and that kind of gives you a a boost of of energy and and positivity and i i really felt that i remember feeling that in the the first time i ran it because i was uh running and i was like totally out of breath because i was so out of shape i i only just started running like two weeks before that and I you know where I live it's always up and down and up and down and up and down because I live in the mountains and I remember I was like just going up the hill and I knew it's like another 500 meters and that gave me like a real boost because Sam says you know run run and yeah I like that it was very well structured and ends on a positive note which is so important that's interesting because when I ran it just now the second, like, Sam can see you on the scanner in the second to last clip. So he has that clip where he's like, yeah. Runner 5, I can see you, keep running. And then it goes right back into your music. And you have to wait for that final clip where you actually get to come home. And I, I wanted, I almost, I, I kind of wanted to have all of the upbeat, you're home, I can see you, keep running, keep running. I wanted that all in the last clip instead of being split into two. Something that I noticed on this run through that I did today, I don't remember hearing zombies the last time I ran this. Oh yeah, no. But you absolutely, like at one point I was running and I was like, is my treadmill making a weird noise? Is one of the kids (laughs) like yelling upstairs? But no, it was zombie noises, but they were so in the background that my brain wasn't processing them as zombie noises until there was one that got real close to the microphone and was like, yeah yeah Uh, but yeah all the other ones I was like what is that sound I didn't remember that from before and maybe it's because typically when I run I run outside and so there's a lot of ambient noise going on and with that being kind of in the background I just didn't notice it and then being inside and not having any ambient noise except for the treadmill that's kind of drowned out by my headphones yeah I don't know but I definitely as I was running I was like did they add new noises is there new Foley work in here? <laughs> I don't remember this. Um, 
one thing we should like one last point I have on my list I'm not sure what if you have other things you want to discuss is that came up in the Rufflenet discussion uh, the question is if the mission is perceived differently for people who ship Runner 5 and Sam and people who don't. Yeah, I was thinking about that while I was running. I wonder, because I remember, and this is something that uh, somebody wrote that here. Uh, ba, 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 ba. There's a lot of fan fiction. Yeah, Melissa says that there's a lot of fan fiction uh, for the aftermath of Voice in the Dark. And you mentioned as well that you wrote fan fiction for for that. But I... I don't know. What do you think? I'm a bit of a yeah, loss with I mean, this question. Well, I think at this point we've established that I am a big Five and Sam shipper. What What is their What is their joint? Is it 5 a.m.? 5 a.m. Okay, yeah, I didn't know I if think, that's how you yeah. said it. Since it's, like, that's how it's written. It's 5 a.m. Yeah, I've never said it out loud. So we'll say f I'm a big 5 a.m. shipper. Um, and the first time I ran this, I was just so completely enamored by sam in general that i was like oh this is so sweet he wants five to come home they're probably gonna make out and <laughs> now i'm like okay but especially like it, it, with the restructuring factored in like you said there's five doesn't really know anybody at able unless you factor in the 5k trainer which not everybody does so for me I factor in the 5K trainer, but the 5K trainer has a whole other set of issues with Five and Sam and their friendship. So at the beginning of my Zombies Run experience, I was like, oh, this is so cute. And then I did the 5K trainer and I started writing my fic and I'm like, yeah, this is like the very first moment where Five and Sam even start having any kind of friendship or anything and he even says in there he's like i called you my friend just now i hope that's okay is that are we simpatico yeah like something he says something yeah lines. and i think that, like for me this this mission is the first moment where there's like a hint of oh they could actually maybe be friends and not just colleagues hmm. so hmm. looking back on it knowing what i know now i'm like there's there's no romance happening here That doesn't get started till way later. But like as as much as the 5 a.m. shipper in me wants it to start immediately, like love at first sight, it I don't I don't think it does. But what how how does this for you as a non 5 a.m. shipper? I was just so emotional about this mission when I No, no, I think I I think I remember like the first time I ran this mission and I was like so emotional about it i remember the only thing i could think of was like okay i'm going to be your friend because he was like so are we friends are we really friends and all i could think of was like yeah i will be your friend if you want to be a friend then i can be a friend because i'm good at being friends right right <laughs> there's this very nice thing the indie fox folks writes at the Rufflenet uh says about the whole shipping thing that's like wanting to kiss your younger brother sam always felt to me like this younger brother who you want to hug when he cries and simon like the older brother who you want to punch in the face for being a constant jerk 
I agree with the second part of that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> also, I wonder, because this, and I only just realized that we don't know the ages of those characters. We can estimate, you know, like Sarah talks about having kids. No, one kid, I think. I think uh, she had two boys. And I feel like oh, she yeah, says at one point that they're, they were like early teen years. like Yeah, so you can kind of guess where she is in the age spectrum. Same with Janine. and Right. But, but we don't know concrete the age of the characters. And right. Sam is the only one we really know the age of, more yeah. or less, because he says he was fourth-year engineering student. So that right. means so if he started at like 19 because i don't know do the people in the uk need to do military service probably i don't know oh i don't know yeah i so have no idea we we don't in the states we yeah, typically we do here so okay yeah we typically go straight yeah. from high school right into college at 18 and even if he took like a gap year which doesn't sound like it so we know that he's in his early 20s and i think that's right. probably also because like like the personal Rufflenet said, it's like kissing my younger brother. This is weird. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see, like, if you're very outside of that age range. Yeah. I'll be a bit weird. Like, if you, if your headcanon 5 is, like, 45 years old. Right. I would be a bit weird. I mean, no judgment here. But still, I'm like, I can see why you would probably, like, be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why when we did our fan fiction episode, I mentioned that when I run, I run with my headcanon five, who is not me. And my headcanon five is younger than I am. So still older than Sam. My headcanon five starts the game around like 27. So a little older than Sam. But if Sam was 22 at the beginning of the outbreak, he's probably roughly 23 three by the time the game starts right? yeah yeah so which yeah. was about my age when i started the game which right. is probably was like yes let's be friends and yeah survive. i identify with yeah. you you are yeah. you are like me <laughs> i'm yeah. struggling with university yeah um, yeah okay so i just want to read out a few things from the ruffle boards because i sure. think they make interesting um points oh this is very interesting I've always been curious how other fans filled the gap between Supply Run and The Voice in the Dark. How did Runner 5 escape the new Canton ambush? Was What was Runner 5 thinking before finally receiving Sam's signal hours later? I've always had this idea that just the 5 was so shocked that, you know, people were shooting and actually trying to, to, to kill them that they just ran like yep. didn't look back just ran and then at some point just probably like nearly passed out because they were so exhausted and then probably climbed a tree and that's when they got the signal and that's when yeah. they started running because i don't think like runner five was running the whole time my, my idea is runner five was um hiding somewhere and then heard the signal and then saw the beacon and then started running. Yeah. 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 What am my I thinking? Uh, my thinking is always that, yeah, like, Five was so shocked by what was happening that they just ran into the yeah. woods and found, like, a like a fallen over tree or whatever that they could kind of, like, get underneath 
and hide behind, like hide underneath until the new Canton people stopped looking for them. And then they come out from this tree and they're like, crap, I don't remember which direction I was coming yeah. from. So they have to just pick a direction and start walking or running and eventually, and it turn they just happen to luck into picking something that is roughly able oriented. Um, so eventually they do get close enough to get the signal, but yeah, Ooh. it's, I mean, it's a, in my head canon, it's just sheer dumb luck that they started walking in the right direction. Um, then I also want to read out this because it was very good. Um, a voice in an arc was the first time since arriving at Abel that my five felt valued as a person rather than merely a resource. And that really shaped how my five started interacting with everyone from then on. That was also by Melissa. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Sounds good. Mad writes, let me see. I do think this was probably one of the missions that was early enough in my experience of running with the app that I started to go beyond thinking, this is a fun story and I'm enjoying pretending to be a hero to I am a hero and my people need me. Yep. Yep. People also wonder if it makes a difference if you've been joining the Zombies Run fan, like Zombies Run later in the game or earlier, which I, I'm absolutely sure it does that was um and that was uh written by nicoleales not sure how to pronounce your name i'm imagining you're greek so your name is nicoleales <laughs> no i don't know i'm sorry um, <laughs> who writes also the whole sam won't give up on you can be really appealing to players that have issues finding support in real life in fitness or in general that's my two cents. I like that. That is a really nice thought. Yeah, that is a really good point. There is more. Why would we do anything for Abel? I would walk myself right over to New Canton. That's Nessa Pessa is writing. No, uh, Nessa Pessa, New Canton tried to shoot you in the head. <laughs> you don't walk yourself right over there. They'll just try to shoot you again. Because Sarah let the zombies there. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, I. I think a yeah. lot of the a lot of the. Man, do you remember the good times when, like, New Canton was the villain of the story? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everything was so simple. New Canton didn't like us, and Van Ark was out there somewhere, and that was the worst. Like, the zombies were the worst part of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Simpler times. <laughs> now I kind of forget that zombies are even a factor. I mean, not really. They're just there to fuck shit up if you need a reason why we can't do this the easy right, way. Right, yeah. Because yeah. they're zombies, but yeah. Oh yeah, Nessa Pessa also writes the same thing that I said uh, about Janine. She doesn't even check to see if her intel is correct and that her contact exists. She's way wrong. We get chased and lost. She cares so little that she goes to bed. <laughs> I mean, Janine. I have... I have to assume that Janine was right there in the comms shack with Sam the whole time that Five was missing, right up until the mission starts. And she was like, all right, Mr. Yao, we both need to go to bed. We've been staring at this screen that has no signal on it for hours. This is not helping anybody. I'm going to bed. You go to bed. There's nothing we can do. And she has just, like, reached the point where she has given up and is just being pragmatic and was like, we can't do anything. We both need to rest. And Sam's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be along in a minute. 
and then that's the that's the only thing I can because I can't I I can't reconcile in my head that Janine's just like oh guess we lost another one oh well no Janine loves us and then I want to read out one last thing written by Rob Goggin 77 I'm so sorry guys about these names I'm, I'm some half of the time I think I don't get the pun it's probably a pun that I don't get I'm sorry and uh, I don't who, get it either <laughs> yeah who writes for me it wasn't so much about the story itself but the execution it it's just a really well written episode and well acted by Phil Nightingale I think it was the moment I also stopped feeling like I was playing a game and was prepared to suspend disbelief and be runner five it's one of the only missions I've rerun it feels wrong doing reruns if I'm actually runner five. There's no do-overs. Yeah. <laughs> so any last thoughts on the voice in the dark? I don't think so. I think, I feel like we kind of covered everything. I recently thought about the voice in the dark and I was before I started the rerun because I heard this song on the radio and there was something like... Uh, if you look into the distance, there's a house upon a hill, da-da-da. Okay. If, if you lost your way, then I will leave the light on. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. It's not Aww. about, it, it's, you know, if you look a bit further into the text, it's like not really about leaving a house on, a uh, light on in a house. But I was like, oh, that reminds me of A Voice in the Dark. How nice. Yeah. I did a whole playlist on A Voice in the Dark back in oh, the yeah? good old days when 8-tracks still was usable was thing yeah yeah it's, it's no longer yeah yeah all my playlists are destroyed oh that's Damn such you. a bummer yeah no but um yeah i think I, I still like boys in the dark it's still one of my favorites and it's one of those missions that makes people like i mentioned that beforehand like first you start playing the game and you're like okay yeah this is nice this is a nice distraction and then usually when a voice in the dark comes and people realize oh this is way more intense than i thought it would be that's when they go out and look for other runners and look for other yeah. fans so that's when yeah. we usually grab them yeah i think this is the one yeah. that i i think i probably posted something on twitter and my mm. friend megan was like what's this now uh. And she's like, what is this app? And so I told her, and now she's like, like Kevin, ref I have so many friends named Megan. Kevin refers to her as zombie Megan <laughs> because she is the Megan yeah. who does zombies run with me. And so like, we'll text each other whenever we have like a particularly exciting mission happen. But yeah, I don't think I sought out RaffleNet until much later. And I wish that I had sought it out when I first ran. The I don't think I knew RaffleNet was a thing when I ran Aww. this one. Um, but I wish I had known because then I would have been able to talk to a lot more people about A Voice in the Dark. Yeah, so that was our rerun of A Voice in the Dark. Yeah. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all the other, like the sound file where I'm just doing like 30 seconds about each mission. Probably I will just edit that together and post it in the end of season one i don't know yeah listeners if there is another season one mission that you think we should talk about like in detail like we did with a voice in the dark let us know yeah let us know because i'm rerunning all of them 
I'm so excited to get to season two. I can't even tell you. So Yeah, because that's your favorite one. That's my favorite. And I don't remember much of it, actually, if I think about it. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. uh, listeners, so we are definitely going to post about these episodes like we did with this one because it was yep. great that you all reached out. Matt sent us um, an audio file. Uh, I mentioned parts of the things he, he talked about in this audio file in the episode, but we will put it in the end of the episode so you can listen to it because it was really good. Thank you so much for sending it. Yep. And uh, thank you to everybody who interacted on the RuffleNet message board. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That I was it. Yeah, I think that's it. <gasps> oh I'm kinda, my god. I'm kinda surprised we got an hour's worth over an hour's worth of uh Yeah. But we didn't start talking about it right away and we yeah, got off topic yeah, a few times. Topic, so. <laughs> You'll it's be able to episode. edit that down. I, I I would. I don't know if I will. <laughs> I don't know if I can be bothered. There you go. Okay. So uh this was our detailed detailed uh, look at voice in the dark and yes. the next episode so it depends either this episode comes out before the interview episode you did or afterwards that depends, depends. on who is quicker to, to yeah. edit yeah i'm hoping that i will have that episode edited in the next couple of days because you interviewed the voice actor of peter yeah who's like the nicest guy in the world yeah he's, he's so nice like when when it was time for us to end the call i was like but i want to keep talking to you you're so fun so, so yeah yeah that's one more thing uh listeners if you want us to interview somebody we did interviews with uh with adrian Hahn also a while ago uh we did an interview with the voice actress of veronica mm -hmm. and now with the voice actor of peter if there's anyone else you think we should reach out to i mean we can never promise that we will get these people because we can't pay them or, right i'm frankly know. surprised that we were yeah. able to get the people that we did yeah get. <laughs> but, if, but if there is somebody you say oh i really want to talk to this person then let us know and then we will do our best yeah to to charm them into talking <laughs> into us. talking to us even just for a few minutes yeah 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 okay so that right. was it for our episode our music was as always uh, rich groove by jason kessler you can find us on tumblr and on twitter and on facebook at podcast detected and that was it yeah Oh my god. You can email you can email us. Yes. At way at, too many people in a com shack at gmail.com. Exactly. It's the longest email address ever. <laughs> no, here's the thing. That was supposed to be our first name. Like we had a lot of ideas for podcast names, and this was one that came up way too many people in a com okay. shack. Because we didn't know if like we would all host together right. or if we would post like one after the other. And then we decided on podcast detected and we wanted to get podcast detected at gmail.com but somehow that didn't work and so as our email address we used the alternate okay name. and that's why in the outro in the previous outro we always had is a podcast brought to you by way too many people in the country. oh got it yeah got yeah. it now you know now, now you know, know. <laughs> okay that was it. Uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, stay safe out stay there. Stay safe out there.
Elizabeth here from the editing booth. So uh, just a few things to add after this episode. One, it has recently been brought to our attention that something we mentioned in the episode in the spoiler sections has actually been brought up in the end of season six, which by the time we recorded this, neither Erin nor me had run. So because I stopped in the beginning of season six to do my rerun and she was, I think, like just a few missions away from, you know, that information. So that's just what I wanted to say. So don't need to, you don't need to send us emails about that. Um, the other thing is that I'm now going to play you, first I'm going to play you uh, the audio file that Matt sent us. Thank you so much again, Matt, for sending us your thoughts on uh, Voice in the Dark. And then I'm going to read out another message. And we got this message on RuffleNet. And it was a bit too late to put it in the original episode. But since this person like took the time to PM me their thoughts on a Voice in the Dark, I thought I would really want to include them in the episode. So that's going to be after that. And then I just wanted to mention that I found out the name of the song I talked about in the episode. You know, the one with the leaving the light on thing that I could not remember who, sa who sang it. So the song is actually called Leave a Light On and it's by Tom Walker. So now you know. I bet you were dying to find out. <laughs> okay. So first we hear Matt and then we hear a great message by Mavecchio. Yeah, and then that's it. It's unquestionably a good mission. It's well structured uh, narratively and it does a good job of um, exposition. It fills in a lot about what the world has become since the apocalypse and gives you a good bit of backstory for Sam as well. I think it's the first time he mentions that his father is Chinese, he mentions his parents are dead, and I think he alludes to the fact that he was the one who killed them, although he doesn't say that explicitly, and maybe that's left a little bit open to interpretation. He also contrasts his own experience as a poor student to his younger sister, who is more the golden child in the family, perhaps. And I think this is a theme that will come to more in the later seasons. Um, I won't go into more detail for spoiler reasons. I think one of the reasons this mission works very well and why it affects people so much is the structure and the pacing with Sam getting increasingly sort of wistful and sad and kind of giving up on hope and almost ready to kind of give up on us at all. And then um, in the last two clips, there's the, sort of the moment where he realises that we're still out there and we're coming, but we're in jeopardy, and um, the excitement as we finally make it into the township and the, the gunfire around us as we make it to safety. I think that's an exciting and uplifting finish. And if you're new to the story and the app and the way that um, the, the clips motivate I think that would be really effective. I think perhaps on rerunning and for me this was at least my fifth rerun I'm kind of used to a lot of the, the way that, it, that the app and the story works and so maybe it didn't have the same emotional punch 
as it did the first time. I was saying before I ran the mission that I'm not convinced that I can really remember how I felt the first time I ran it. Although perhaps there is something of the muscle memory or sense memory about it because when I was approaching the end of the mission and I was quite tired on my run and heading home, heading uphill, I certainly did feel a, a surge of energy and kind of excitement and emotion um, in line with the excitement that Sam expresses when he realises that we are not um, dead and lost and there is still hope for us. And so although I couldn't really remember whether I'd felt that or not the first time I ran it, I think the feeling I had then was an echo of that and so yeah I think I probably also did feel quite motivated in that way. A few other general observations about the mission. In keeping with the rest of season one and season two in particular, the tone is more gritty, bleak, um, perhaps more sort of realistic in as much as something can be realistic in a zombie apocalypse story. Um, without wanting to get into spoiler territory, the uh, tone of the later seasons becomes a little bit more fantastical. Um, the science fiction elements come through more strongly and there's sort of less um, need or desire, it seems, on the part of the uh, writers of the story to keep it grounded within a, a recognisable reality. Everything is a little bit more maybe whizzy and shiny and our access to somewhat implausible near-future technology seems to be quite easy. I think I have to say I preferred it when the tone was more recognisably realistic and uh, darker and grittier. One of the other things that I thought was interesting about this mission is uh, Sam revealing that we are the fourth runner, number five, that he has had. So moving slightly into spoiler territory, we know that from later missions, Sergeant Ellis is the first runner five, and we know that before us there was Alice, the previous runner five, and so I guess that means there's another runner five in between Ellis and Alice, and I don't think we know much about that runner, if anything, at this point. So in conclusion, I think one of the reasons why this mission works so well for many people is that a lot of the user base for Zombies Run are people who probably like myself at the time were not super into running or particularly fit athletic types and the way that the mission is structured is fairly downbeat throughout and you are maybe sort of being lulled into a sense of sort of a lower mood during the mission and as the mission proceeds um, and you begin to get wearier that low mood might be kind of in keeping with the way you're feeling but as we approach the end of the mission and Sam is so excited to see us and encourages us home that gives you a sort of a boost of energy and a boost of um, positivity that really helps you to feel motivated and gives you a sense of achievement towards the end of the run so like many of the missions in Zombies Run it gives you an emotional hook that keeps you interested in 
improving and continuing to develop your fitness. And it does that by having a voice in our ears which seems so overjoyed and so thrilled to, to see us and to see us thriving that that really kind of uh, reinforces the sense of achievement that you have. I'm sure there are also more sophisticated psychological takes on this out there. Although I do recall, um, I think it was maybe on the Cultures podcast that Adrian and Naomi do with their friend Andrea, where they mention that um, there's some psychological evidence to show that the experience of uh, a stressful event can be um, lessened if that was uh, accompanied through physical exertion as well. There's something about being physically um, active at times of stress helps us to deal with the emotional component of that as well. Anyway, that's it for me now. Um, Thanks for all the good work you do on the podcast and I look forward to hearing more episodes in the future. again Matt for sending that in so now I'm going to read out this message that I mentioned before so Mavekia sent us uh, this on Rufflenet they say I reran it I posted it on a thread but I thought I would PM you as well here is what I wrote my thoughts after rerunning it are as follows one holy crap why did I leave chases on high and then run in the dark <laughs> true two apparently i'm scared of the dark or maybe just zombies in the dark three ow my legs hurt and four i love sam okay the last should have come first as i'm much older than sam i still feel very maternal towards him Uh, he tells me this sad story and i picture him sitting up in the dark all worried and lonely and all i want to do is run home and give him a hug and tell him everything is going to be all right i totally agree with that mavecchio that was my feelings as well also he's kind I thought he says he's a kid. He's kind. And as was mentioned above, he's the first person able to treat me with kindness. It's very well written. The character 5 is a cipher and an empty vessel that the runner can put themselves into. And yet Naomi makes you feel as though Sam really sees you. When he says things like, you probably had a job, you didn't hate, etc. It feels like he's talking directly to me. Like he's the only person in Able who cares about me as an individual. And he's making himself vulnerable, sharing things about his own experience that are raw and painful. I can see why people ship him and five. And if I was 25 years younger or even 15 years younger, I might ship them too. But my five really does want to make sure that he eats right and doesn't get too sad and lonely. I want him to meet a nice girl or guy. I want everyone to be good to him. I want to track down everyone who ever hurt him and kick them in the head. Basically, I want to be his mommy. Not in a kinky way, literally in a sit-down-pet-I-made-you-pancakes kind of way. Sadly, I think Sarah got there first with the banana pancakes. He'll just have to put up with two Irish mummies. <laughs> I'll make him farm bread. Breck? I'm sorry. I'm sure this is something... Irish and you're now like cringing because I don't know what it is and I can't figure it out. No, you know what? You know what? I'm always about like exchanging cultures and stuff. So I am going to look up what the thing is you wrote. Okay, apparently it's barn bread. And according to Wikipedia, uh, it's a... What's... Barm. 
I know. This is, I'm sure this is like, like podcasting gold. Uh, barn cake is a soft brown flattish bread, a bread roll from Northwest England, traditionally with barm. I don't know what barm is. Let me just, of course. Um, okay. I looked up what barm is and I still have no idea. I'm gonna stop because I will fall into the Wikipedia hellhole. So, either way, back to the topic. Uh, thank you so much for your message, Mavecchio. And yeah, I, I think I agree with you on a lot of those things. I think, uh, as we have mentioned in the episode, this this mission makes Runner 5 um, be seen as more than just a number. And it gives Sam like some very great characterization. And he's like, there is a reason of all the characters we learn about him first because he's also the first person <coughs> excuse me he's also the first person we meet at Abel we really meet at Abel and so it makes sense that he's the first person like whose tragic backstory we unlock you know our social ranks are not high enough for him to share his tragic backstory yeah so again Malekio thank you so much for sending this in and yeah, I hope you are having a great day and thank you so much for listening to Podcast Detective. And yeah, that's it now. Bye-bye. Just come home. Don't let go. If you look into the distance, there's a house upon the hill Guiding like a lighthouse, it's a place where you'll be safe to feel our grace Cause we've all made mistakes, if you've lost your way I will leave the light on